Hi there, and welcome to Be a Global Citizen, the podcast that explores the concept of global citizenship through the lens of value-creating education. My name is Scott Bauer, and I'm a SOCA researcher and educator. I hope you find the discussions, stories, and insights on this podcast to be valuable and inspiring as we strive to become global citizens who are committed to living a contributive life. On our episode today, we have another GC Talks. I'm joined by Victor Asano. He is a really wonderful friend of mine here in Brazil, and we actually had a special session where we can record in the same room live. And um, it was an absolute joy, and I hope you guys really enjoy the episode. I had a great time making it, and uh, let's just get right into it. So my name is Vitor. Um, I'm currently living in Brazil. I worked in a corporate world, so I worked in finances in big companies such as Intel, then SAP, and Kraft Foods. Then I made like a change in my career and I decided to pursue um, the field of education. This is when I was invited to work in a publishing house for a few years. And today I'm studying, I'm back in college, studying um, early childhood education in Canada. We are using uh, online um, platforms now because of the pandemic, but um, the college is based in Toronto. And I am currently, uh, uh, I teach English as a second language, so this is what I do now. Nice. Well, it's so great to to be here live with you, um, and we're actually in your house. Yeah, right. Drinking some tea. Welcome. It's yes, wonderful. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to to talk with you more about your thoughts on global citizenship. Uh, as you listeners can can tell, you know, quite a diverse background that you have, Victor. Um, so, that's actually the first thing that I wanted to to talk with you. If you can share a little bit more about your professional background, just kind of take us through just you know your story and like the various interests and how they've changed over the t- the, the years, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so when I was young, you always uh, ask yourself, or people ask yourself, and then you start asking yourself what you're gonna do when you grow up. And I always thought that I would go um somewhere towards to um education this like i wanted to study biology i wanted to study um something related to that but then um my family had a business and then i saw like my dad working and maybe i thought oh this is maybe the natural path that i would take so i applied for uh, when i left high school applied for business administration and this was like my first uh, my first um, step towards that direction and then my first job it was very fortunate and I started working uh, as an intern in finances at Intel um, didn't know much about the Silicon Valley about the digital um, market or, or about computer and anything and learned a lot I stayed there for about three to four years I guess and this is like when we were hired as an intern here in Brazil have like um, your contract had an expiration date. Mm-hmm. So I had to look for another job. And then I was uh, also, again, fortunate enough to work in another big company called SAP. And they are uh, work uh, doing software, um, softwares for business. So uh, any back office support that you need, uh, they have the tools for that. Mm-hmm. I worked there um, working in, so this is like how diverse my background is, because uh, I was being trained to work with, um, process management <laughs> so I had to 
uh, analyze workflows, work char flowcharts, and many um, blueprints of the softwares and everything, uh, which was fun and I learned a lot. But again, just didn't feel felt like I uh, didn't feel like it clicked with me that um, the field. And then I was still like applying for other jobs, and I was invited to work in marketing. Um, and another big company, it's called Kraft Foods, which... Um, I'm a big fan of the macaroni. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. We, didn't, we didn't have this here. And we started having, I think, the, um, another brand, another company launched uh, mac and cheese last year here. So maybe you really? should check it. Yeah, okay. not bad. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. So working in marketing, I understood that I had a very strong... Um, I have this very, very strong, I was keen to work with communication. This is what it felt like. Oh, I like communication and I like being in touch with people. Um, this is when I thought, oh, maybe I'm trying too many options and I need to like just um, discover for myself what do I like, what are my talents? Because I always look at myself as somebody who, like, oh, I don't have really talents. I just like good at doing what I'm told to do. So this is what actually what we're doing internships. So I thought, oh, maybe I'm a good intern, but I don't know what actually I should do. And then it's when I was, um, I actually uh, was recommended to see um, a vocational, um, not a coach, she's a therapist actually. And then I went through this for vocational exploration with her. And then I found out like that I really uh, like explaining things and discovering things and like my real talent was like I am curious and I like to engage with people. So among other recommendations she said oh you would become uh, a nice like uh, she said I would become a good teacher and I'd like to think that, think that I'm at least okay <laughs> um, and this is when I said oh it kind of makes sense. So this is when I decided to switch my whole career. Um, I quit my job and I started giving private English classes because I already uh, knew English, like studied, I started studying English when I was three and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. So before even I was literate, mm -hmm. <laughs> I was learning the colors and the numbers in English. Mm -hmm. um, so I started helping out some people and then uh, I started working in a company that uh, would hire English teachers and send them to lawyer's offices and teach English to lawyers here in Sao Paulo. Mm -hmm. This is where it all started. And then I was invited to work in this publishing house, where I worked for about five years. Mm -hmm. um, um, it's very hard to describe what my job role was because I did almost a little bit of everything. So I like to say that I was an editorial producer because this is like basically a general like, umbrella um, of roles that you can do. So I would work in photo shoots, productions. I would translate texts. Um, brainstorm and do the briefing for the cover and write a few of the articles so a little bit of everything i would do there and uh, to me like working as this kind of producer for a magazine uh, i understood it and i read that job role as a teacher who could reach to more people because it had like a few hundreds of uh, readers so I was very, very happy with that. And then I got this opportunity to study in Canada before pandemic. So I was about to move to Canada and I quit my job again so I could have this opportunity. And then um, we got this crazy pandemic and I wasn't allowed to go to Canada anymore. And 
classes, switch it to um, digital environment. And I was like, okay, so I think I'm going to be here in Brazil for a while now. What should I do? And then this was like, I said, oh, I'm going to do what I like to do and what I really um, can be good at, which is teaching. So this has been my full-time job now for about two years. Yeah, I mean, you got to pay the rent as well, right? All right, yeah. Tuition's that's... not free. <laughs> Tuition's not free, a guy that needs to eat. Yeah, so... Of course. But um, I feel like also that is something that I like. So working with something that you like and um, working long hours doesn't feel like um, such a weight when you are um, doing what you love. It is exhausting, though, because <laughs> you are working a lot. Yeah. But it's also fun, so... Yeah. And can you tell me the, the, the year the exact year when you had that conversation with the coach slash therapist and you oh, made yeah. that decision to switch from kind of uh, corporate finance marketing world yeah. to education. Um, yes, it was 2012, uh, no, 2013 when I started through this process and um, I was working, used to incorporate and then I, it, it was really like something that, okay, now it makes sense. Because the thing was, I was always uh, questioning myself uh, something. I was asking myself this, so I am working in these big companies. Uh, and like, I'm in a very privileged position, although it's still as intern or like, or like baseline jobs. I was having these big opportunities that many people wanted to have and they don't have access to or because they don't don't they can't be seen or they don't know the right people or they don't speak english but like somehow i got to be here but i am not fulfilled mm -hmm. and then like this is something that starts started bugging me like why like wasn't i supposed to be happy here like mm -hmm. in a place where many people wanted to be and this is like when the when I met this therapist and I kind of like said, oh, okay, so maybe I was not meant to be happy because this is not my vocation. Mm -hmm. um, I was a good intern, but maybe this was not something that I loved. Mm -hmm. So it was a very, very interesting, very important process for me. Yeah, and it took courage, right, yeah. to, to make that decision. And I, I, I'm aware from our previous conversations that um, even at your work at the publisher's house, making the decision to mm -hmm. pursue a degree in education that was another big step for you even though by that time you had spent uh, you know several years teaching one-on-one -on -one private tutoring uh, in English so um, it's it sounds like a you know a journey that even it, it's been going on for a number of years but now you know you're you're really starting to get into the the real substance of it and that sounds terrific. And the pandemic hasn't hasn't stopped you. And so Not that's that's all. great. Yeah, it's actually, I mean, we can talk more about those kind of interactions, the engagement that you've had online with not only the Canadians in the course, but, you know, many other international students like yourself. Um, but, you know, I wanted to ask you a question um, a little bit more specifically, you know, about, you know, the term global citizen it itself. Can you recall a particular moment when you heard the term or maybe maybe it's not necessarily a particular moment, but a kind of period in your life where it kind of suddenly popped up on your radar? I don't remember specifically the first time I heard the expression, like the term global citizenship or global citizen. But I remember like a very important thing that happened to me that um, is... Um, evolves that 
notion or spirit of being a global citizen. It was because, um, as I told you, I started studying English when I was three and a half. I couldn't understand why I was going to this English school and uh, it was already difficult enough to be learning Portuguese and then I had like the second language, but I didn't question this because I was too little. But when I grew a little bit older, maybe it was 10 or even younger, I didn't like to go to English schools because it was difficult for me. It was not easy to learn English. And then I would always ask my mom, like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. um, why, uh, why do I have to go there like so difficult? And she said, oh, um, because when we learn English or when we learn another language, we're opening uh, ourselves up to the world and we can have um, um, brighter opportunities. She was not very clear about it. Like she tried to explain to me like in a way that I could understand, like it will give me opportunities and I would be able to uh, know more people and know more things. Mm -hmm. And this was like just a simple concept of, okay, English gives you opportunity or learning a second language gives you opportunities that you wouldn't have by just learning um, your own language was um, the first step that I took to, okay, so there's more to the world than just my house, my family, or my country. And um, that was um, how my mom actually kind of like made it natural for me to be curious about the world. And I love learning about Latin culture because it is something that when we grow up and we discover that, like many people don't think of Brazil as like a Latin country. Like Brazilians don't think about it because we speak Portuguese, we don't speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. And then um, I had the opportunity of working in these big companies in the Latin American offices and understand like, oh yeah, we have like, we are all different in Latin America, but there's some weird invisible bond that unites us as a culture also. Colonization. <laughs> yeah, that, that's maybe the roots. <laughs> Those might be some of the roots of this. No, but also like in this more... Um, there is something to, because I know you have also visited other countries in South America. Oh, yes. I, I love South America. Yeah. Peru, Argentina, Ecuador, Chile. I've been very privileged to get to know like really wonderful cultures. And maybe you, there is something that is, um, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's easy to put in words, because I know that it's, uh, there's a warmth within the culture of these countries, mm -hmm. although it's different. Yeah. Right? There is... Um, some easiness in talking to people from these cultures and some pride uh, in that they, that each country have in this culture. Mm -hmm. So there are like these common grounds that it's not only historical but always like also in the current days in this uh, self-identification as Latin mm -hmm. that we can identify also as being Brazilians and like open up my eyes and say, oh yeah, right, I can see myself in this culture also. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that connects to the you know, one of your strong suits you mentioned about curiosity, yeah. wanting to learn more about uh, others, about other cultures, and I think it really ties in nicely with just language acquisition. So many people often refer to languages as the, the gateway, the, the door to other cultures, and it, it's clear that the words from your mom, you know, your mom speaking to a you know, 10-year-old version, yeah. right, of you, there's, you know, really deep wisdom in her encouragement for you to continue pursuing your studies, right? Yeah. You know, you don't need a long, elaborate reason for why it's so necessary, but just for the sake of, you know, opportunities, I think that's something so simple yet so profound and, yeah. and true that, you know, clearly um, 
has led you to this this current moment. I mean, you don't even, it's not even just English that you speak so well, but you also teach Spanish. Yes, I do. You speak Spanish well. And you were studying French. You've been studying French for a yes. while. So yeah, you're just, you're just learning all the Romance languages. I guess so, yeah. I started like, yeah. I always tell my, mainly my Brazilian uh, students like, oh, you learned Portuguese, like it's pretty tough. Like you can learn English also, let's go. So I think that I started off with Romance languages because there are some similarities. And I think it's, yes. there's some ease for me to go through this. But I all I love learning uh, languages every time that I have any, like I'm, I meet somebody from different background. I make sure I should learn something from yeah. their language or their culture. Yes. Okay. So I'm I'm getting this 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 sense that there's a close association between language and the opportunity that it affords you to see the world mm -hmm. and global citizenship, right? Yes. Okay. So in that way, would you say that um, that's kind of how you 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 view the concept itself in terms of like going out into the world or are there other other meanings or like applications of it that you think are important? I guess um, being a global citizen to me translates as being able to uh, empathize with people, like with the person who is in front of you. It's not about uh, going to another country or um, having the opportunity or access to learn a second language. In Brazil, uh, we talk about learning a second language as a privilege. Not everybody has the access to that. So you can become a global citizen uh, just by being open to hear the person who is right in front of you. And I believe that language is the um, means to that, right? So it's not like, oh, I'm learning language now, I'm a global citizen. Um, it's just like an, a new way to be open to understand the person who's right in front of me. Mm -hmm. um, it's just one way, at least. Um, there are many other ways. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think that kind of exchange is, it's important not only for understanding the other, mm -hmm. but also for understanding yourself. Because for those, those you know, who have, you know, tried learning a language, it's very difficult. Whether you're, you know, starting at three years old or ten years old, or, you know, as an adult, yeah, there are so many um, barriers that you know you need to overcome. And sometimes it's not just the the cognitive ones of like, wow, the complexity of this language and the grammar is so tough, but you know, the emotional barriers as well, and uh, the kind of humility that you need to, you know, start from, you know, start from somewhere and, and, and work your way through, you know, moments where, like, you know, you're doing really well, and then you kind of plateau. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I just think that um, a lot of those frustrations um, help us turn inward or force us to question, why am I even learning this language? How come it's not coming as quickly as I had thought, or as naturally as maybe my friend, you know, so and so? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I just find that um, it, it's it's really um, that that two way street. You know, there's so many things that um, it it opens not just for you know the other cultures that we're looking at. You know, for me, looking at Brazilian cultures, I, I will learn Portuguese, but also that you know kind of. You know, questioning of like, well, how is this changing me as a person, and also, how is it changing my own views about my own culture? This is like the first thing that I noticed when I started giving classes, because there was this one student that I never forget about her, because she told me the story that before having classes with me, she had classes with another teacher for about one or two years, and she felt very confident 
that she um, knew English. And she said, okay, so I'm going to take my first international trip. Like her first time that she left the country in her life. And she went to Ireland. Ooh, nice. And um, she had never had been in touch with um, an Irish person or she has never heard, uh, she had never heard of uh, this different um, accents or dialects. Uh, she probably had only contact with her teacher and maybe like audios from the English book from probably British or American English. Mm -hmm. like And the classic, in between quotes, like classic English or American English. Mm -hmm. And she, when she arrived in Ireland, she told me she didn't understand anything that they told because it was so different from what she was used to. And she was traumatized. She said, I can't even order water. I can't do the basics. Like, and she felt so, um, so powerless, mm -hmm. like in this situation, because she's in a country and few people, almost nobody speaks Portuguese there. So she didn't have tools to go through those probably one or two weeks that she would be there. Mm -hmm. And then when she came to me and she was recommended, uh, I was recommended to her and then she was in touch and said, listen, I have to start from zero because I studied English for a few years, but I can't say a word anymore. And like, wow. and say like, okay, learning. So this is when it was very tangible for me. Like learning is not only co a cognitive process. Yeah. And she had to learn also to embrace herself and to allow herself to uh, make mistakes, mm -hmm. not feel judged and understand the um, plurality of English speakers, like the diversity mm -hmm. of cultures, countries and wow. people. That just sounds like, you know, the language right there, the way you're describing it is just a proxy for like life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just recognize all of our differences and, you know, um, appreciate that kind of a diversity. Everyone's different. People have different accents, different pronunciations, different ways of even constructing the sentences. I mean, yeah, we say like what, uh, su um, subject, verb, object, yeah. but then there's, you know, languages like uh, Korean or Japanese where it's subject, object, verb. Yeah. So you have no <laughs> idea what the action is until the very end. Yes. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's hard. And I think there's that period. I, I think it, it, it shows the... the to learn language in the same way to live life requires resilience, right? Yes. And um, it's it's such an amazing training for, for that kind of um, um, ability, sensibility, um, and, you know, just recognition that good things or worthwhile things come in time. Yeah. If everyone just learned French or English in, like, you know, a week, you, would you really value it? It's like the same thing. It's like I'm gonna offer you a cheeseburger or some food. I don't know. I just thought a cheeseburger. Yeah. Because I'm hungry. But um, for like for free, or do you do you want this other one that's like you know, ten bucks? You know. Yeah. You're gonna probably question like, what did you do? Did I, you find in the dumpster behind? Yeah. You? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I just think it's um, yeah, it's it's a really valuable reflection, and I mean, it's so much more powerful when you hear the actual experiences from students. And mm -hmm. I'm sure you've had your own experiences. I know that you, you know, when you first traveled abroad, you actually went to Canada, right? Yes, I went to Vancouver yeah. uh, and I spent a month there. It was very interesting for me because so I went. Was it similar to this 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 student. Oh, it was or? it was a complete opposite. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> like, it was a positive uh, experience. Because, and this is why, so today I see like learning language as three main pillars. 
So three main um, um, features that you have to, to learn in order to learn language. You have to learn vocabulary, mm -hmm. grammar, mm -hmm. and there's context. Mm -hmm. And context is like culture. It's not only like, oh, am I speaking to an American or a British person? No, I'm like, um, is this person from Southern California or from Texas? Right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I learned that uh, some way, like I didn't obviously I could phrase that at a time, but this is what my experience, like I was 15 years old when I went to Canada for the first time. And so I started studying English when I was three years and a half, but I was learning English in Brazil. So I basically would only speak English twice a week for this one hour and a half classes that would have, um, I was okay. But I didn't know how much of English I really knew and if I could talk to a native. And when I went to Vancouver and like suddenly started being um, like seeing those stimulus, like being stimulated by language in different ways. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I get to the airport and there's like a sign written restrooms. I say, oh, let's go. So I know like because yeah. after like a 10 years flight, this is the first thing you want to run and see like the sign of restroom, right? Exactly. exactly. So, it's a long flight. Yeah. <laughs> long so flight. I thought, yeah, okay. So I, I know this. And then uh, I started talking to um, other people like uh, in... Um, customs and then like and I, I was like fine okay okay I can kind of understand and then I if I didn't understand I could ask them okay could you please repeat or can you speak slowly um, so but I could you understand feel comfortable? I so I didn't have another option I feel like okay. it's not about like it's, it's a, it was if survival I mode yeah right <laughs> and at 15 years old also you don't feel you you are not I think we think that when we are young we are braver somehow for Possibly. a few things yeah and yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think about other possibilities. Like I didn't understand like what customs was. I didn't understand like it was like a serious authority talking to me. I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to go through this booth yeah. and talk to this person and then uh, go to whatever the places I'm gonna live. Mm -hmm. And something very, very incredible happened. We were a group of about 12 to 15 Brazilians, all teenagers mm -hmm. uh, getting um, to the same um, address. So we got from the airport to a place by a car and then we had to pick up the bus to to go to the final destination and there was only one of course like um uh, adult that was responsible for all these teenagers how many teenagers were we there? were about 12 or 15 that's a lot for yeah. just one person to <laughs> oh my God. a few of those teenagers i'm saying between quotes because they probably were like 18 19 so they okay. were a little bit more okay yeah it. mature and then I was just gonna say I'd hate to be the the guy responsible. Yeah, but I think we were a nice group. I like to think like that. <laughs> we weren't like well behaved. Yeah, I guess so. Like yeah. we were still teenagers. We would like have uh, moments of like I don't know Mischief. pranking. Yeah, yeah, like or doing like yeah, having yeah. fun. But overall, I think we were well behaved. Okay. And so this one person who was responsible for the group went to the um, the bus driver and just to confirm was this bus going like pass through this avenue or something. And the guy said, yeah, so we all climbed up and the guy said, oh, so what is this about? What is like, Who are you with this bunch of kids? And she says, oh, we're just a group of like, um, for an exchange course, we came from Brazil. And the guy picked up like, there's a phone right behind him that uh, when he speaks, he talks in the speakers throughout the bus. 
and he started introducing us to everybody as a public bus, by the way. Like, oh, this really? is not, yeah, this is not a special uh, commute service or whatever, like yeah. a, a public bus. And the guy was so, so I think like um, Canadian reputation, right? He was so welcoming and so nice. And say, so he started announcing like, oh, there's like this group of Brazilians here. Let's give them welcome. They're here for the first time. Oh, and it was so cool. nice. Yeah. yeah. And I was sitting beside like a, a, a to, to my memory, it was an old lady, but maybe like she's not that old just because I was very young. <laughs> okay. uh, and she just started talking to me. So this is like lo- something very magical in my mind happened. Like, oh, I'm really talking now to somebody, some random person in the bus. Yeah. And she said, oh, are you one of those kids that he was mentioned? Oh, yes, I am. And I said, oh, this is so cool. What, what are you doing here? And then we started having this very mm-hmm. lovely conversation. And I think this was like less traumatic than the experience that my student had. And it was encouraging. I was young, and it, like I had more experience with language, so it's different. Yeah, everyone's everyone's stories are going to be different. Yeah, I actually had a very similar experience to your student. Uh, I was a little bit older than you, though. I was like nineteen when I first went abroad by myself, and that was to Buenos Aires in Argentina. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had studied a year, mm-hmm. <laughs> similar to your 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 student, and I thought, okay, I can probably get by. You know, mm-hmm. got a year of study, like I got this. Uh, and nope, totally the opposite. I had I like froze. I stuttered. I would repeat sentences in my head multiple times. Yeah. You know, I would say like, yeah, I don't know, like hola, cómo estás? Hola, cómo estás? <laughs> and then I would go to say it, and then you know, it just nothing would come out. Yeah. Uh, and I remember like every little thing was such like a like such an adventure, right? I need to buy toothpaste at the store. Oh my god. How do you say toothpaste in Spanish? <laughs> ah, you know, and I would be uh, constantly on edge. But there was also this kind of like thrilling sense of like accomplishment uh, to to have a successful exchange <laughs> or to to get the thing that I wanted. Right, the mm-hmm. toothpaste. I have the toothpaste. Yeah. I paid for it. This is wonderful. You know, um, regardless of like how many words I said. But also, so much of the language, it's tied to the actions as well. And yeah. the interactions that we have with the environment around us. And I think, you know, never before I felt so uh, attuned to what was happening around me. And so what often happened was, you know, a very, like, normal day for me in, in California. Like, go to school, buy some toothpaste, eat some dinner, right? <laughs> In, in Argentina, it just became like this crazy roller coaster ride of like, you know, like a bead of sweat just dripping down and me being like, oh God, what's the next thing? And oh my God, look at this situation. This is nothing like the textbook. And, you know, it, it, it was anxiety inducing, but at the same time, right, I think, you know, just as a young person not knowing, it was, um, it was just something I was like, I just have to go through this, you know? Uh, I didn't realize how, you know, and to a certain degree, there was some suffering. (laughs) But on the other hand, uh, you know, I look back now and I I just kind of, you know, can I just laugh at those those memories because um, I I just see it as part of the process. Yeah, I think, you know, it's easy to kind of look back and kind of try to romanticize um, some of these things. But really, I do think that a lot of those struggles were necessary for me. Yeah. And you talked about like uh, how humbling it is, like learning a language, and I feel like there's a lot to do with that. Also, when we were younger, we don't feel this sen- the sense of um, 
um, sometimes we don't feel so I think as older we get we feel more ashamed or afraid of making mistakes well, the identity part right yeah you said that you were you were teaching lawyers in the beginning right yeah so I mean come on it's a lawyer right yeah Look at me I'm important I mean for those anyone listening if you're a lawyer I'm sorry <laughs> and I wasn't intending it for you but yeah just you know this strong identity tied up with the professionalism uh, there is like the social the the, the, the social um, signals that we have like I am coming to a very fancy, like my first class, I remember that, very fancy office mm -hmm. and like these lawyers, like there were a group of three students, so there was uh, a man and two women and they all wearing suits and nice clothing and I was Did they wearing... have a briefcase? No, they were in the office, they probably <laughs> okay. had, but not like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably it was like on their de under their, their de desks okay. or something. But I remember like feeling so like, okay, what am I? So I looked at myself with a t-shirt and jeans and sneakers uh -huh. and I said, okay, I am like the, the weird one here. <laughs> yeah, you're the, the odd man out. Yeah. But then like we started having a conversation. They were looking, they're, they're seeking for information and knowledge and they are curious. So this breaks the ice totally. This is when we started seeing people as like, okay, this is just clothes. Mm -hmm. uh, those are just titles, but they are still like, as um, eager to learn as I am because mm -hmm. like I, it's not because I am the teacher that I know everything and I really what feeds me into this profession is that I can I think that teachers are forever um, researchers or explorers or learners. Like, learners yeah and I think this is one of my, the, my biggest things that I like about like uh, life is that there's so much to learn mm -hmm. and I'm very curious so and I think the I think students can pick up on that I guess energy that you're emitting. I guess because uh, you know th this is something that actually like Daisaku Hira talks a lot about, right? The the, the kind of um, teacher learning basically like propels the student to learn as well, mm -hmm. and that kind of like um, kind of give and take relationship um, is is really essential. Mutual respect. Um, and I, 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 yeah, I see from my own, you know, teaching practices as well that like in moments when I'm really seeking, I'm really studying and learning, uh, asking questions, mm -hmm. it, it, it models a lot of the behavior that my students, that I want my students to have, you know, and without that, it, it just seems lifeless, you know? Yeah. And there's like, um, this um, Italian educator called Malaguti mm. and he says uh, that the role of the educator is to be a co-learner and co-explorer and I feel like this is uh, this relates so deep to what uh, like soccer education is all about because uh, it is about creating this so the teacher still has um, the position of um, showing the pathway I guess but uh, you're walking with the students throughout this um, this journey together and um, this is something that I'm, I'm, I've been studying um, a little bit in college and this is something that is really sticks with me like okay so um, I'm studying early childhood education so for anybody who thinks about like toddlers or preschoolers um, you think okay I am a grown-up so I know much more than this person and I have to teach everything that I know to this person, to this little human being. Yeah. But nobody thinks about, oh, what can I learn with these people? What can I learn with this? And not look at them as like just, oh, those children. And like mm -hmm. you become like this self-entitled person who 
who can teach them and like give them knowledge mm. um and it creates such different dynamic when you think okay well, so let's explore this together yeah. let's let's cover discover the world again and i feel like the the path um of education it is allowing yourself to be constantly discovering the world mm -hmm. through new lenses like oh this new student has a different perspective what are the questions that they're gonna bring so, yeah yeah and and it, I, yeah that's that's in the ideal scenario right? yeah i know <laughs> with, with the educators uh having that kind of perspective the the environment being very open welcoming um and you know we we know that in reality it, it's far from that mm -hmm. and there's many things that kind of impede or just completely obstruct those those goals that we have for our students to really thrive and and be happy and, and yeah. be engaged one of the things I, I wanted to hear a little bit from you, uh, this is, you know, a bit personal, but I know it's also a, a really vital part of like why you are um, very interested and passionate about education, especially like, you know, younger learners. But, um, you know, you, you talked about how when you were growing up, you encountered some bullying. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe, maybe actually, uh, uh, you know, you, you've expressed how it was something very, you know, impactful for you. Yeah. And I know that, you know, all these things that you've been saying is about really understanding the other and that's tied up with global citizenship. So, you know, I was wondering if you could share a little bit about that and how that's also kind of driving you forward to like being the kind of educator that would really look out for those who are, you know, suffering from bullying. Yes. So um, I was a very shy kid. Um, I didn't have many social skills like to go on and start a conversation. Um, so I really focused, like I was the typical nerd. I was like sitting in the front row of the class, um, pay attention to, to, to whatever, whatever the teacher is saying. I was very shy to make questions, so I would wait the class to end and go um, like to the teacher and like personally ask the questions that I wanted, not in public, but privately. Mm -hmm. And then there was, um, it was, I think that the other children would perceive me as like this weird person or like this just like the odd child of the classroom so they started picking up on me and one day i was going to so very nerd i was going to the library during recess mm -hmm. <laughs> which was like a place that i like to be because i could be quiet and alone mm -hmm. do my homework um and like on the way to the library there was like this vending machine uh and three little not little like they were my age so three boys came out of the vending machine and they through, were inside the no, vending no, no, machine? No, 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 out of, not out of, uh, behind, came <laughs> from behind the, the okay. vending machine. Well, <laughs> oh, there was like another story. I, I, like, no, I just had this like fantastic yeah. imagery in my head of like, it's like a transformer, like this vending machine comes yeah. alive, no. like three kids <laughs> popping out of this. So that's the, why it's important to teach prepositions in English. <laughs> oh, always learning, always yeah, learning, okay, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm being, I'm being a little... No, that's like, okay, <laughs> I was carried out like just by, yeah, that's okay. Um, so they came from behind the, the vending machine. I was just trying to lighten the, yeah. the seriousness. For, for the, those, no, but no, please go, cool. on, go on. So they, what happened was like they, like two of them just uh, got my arms behind me and they immobilized me and the other one started punching me on the stomach. Mm. And uh, one of my brothers saw that scene and called, like went straight to the principal's office. We were all called to the principal's office. Our parents were uh, noticed, uh, no, they got the notice or they, they were informed that yeah, yeah. The, that happened. Okay, so I was not, I was physically hurt, but everything like went well. I didn't got like serious injuries and anything. I went back home and I saw my mom. She checked on me and she said, oh, are you okay? Is everything like, are you physically okay? And I said, yeah. So 
she said, um, I'm about to start chanting um, for, for these boys who beat you up. And then I said, what? <laughs> Wait, chant yeah. for me. <laughs> and she said, well, um, if uh, those boys were really happy, they wouldn't uh, want to beat or to hit or hurt anybody. Wow. So clearly these guys are not happy. So mm. I'm chanting for their happiness. Man, your mom is just so wise. Yeah, right? There's deep <laughs> nuggets of wisdom coming out. I love it. And it was not something that obviously I was eight or nine years old, so I didn't process it at the moment. But this is a memory that I have with me, and now I understand it mm -hmm. that um, everyone deserves to be happy. And maybe if these persons specifically who were hurting me, they were truly happy, that would be a better experience than it was. So um, this taught me like a lot, and this uh, is something that really triggered me uh, when I uh, got the suggestion from the therapist, oh, you could become a really nice teacher. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, right. So um, maybe I could help, not like to protect the bullies, mm -hmm. the bullied kid, kid, but like to try to prevent the bullies to become bullies. Exactly. Uh, and this is um, my thought behind the idea of studying early childhood education. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> you, are on, you are on the right path. And, you know, it's, it's just really wonderful, I think. Um, the, those teachers that are most passionate really, you know, can back up their actions with, you know, lived experiences like that and, um, you know, talk about empathy, right? You know, you've been there yourself mm -hmm. and, you know, it's clear that it was not uh, a happy memory and it took many, many years for you to process the words that your mom shared with you and to, you know, reapply it in new contexts and to like, you know, channel your energies, your studies, everything towards not having that happen to others, mm -hmm. right? So I just think that's a really wonderful act of global citizenship, <laughs> um, which is the title of our podcast. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, well, I, we are coming up on time pretty soon, um, but I, I did want to hear from you if you had any kind of like recommendations, it could be a book or a film, but something that you would recommend to an aspiring Global citizen. There is, um, I think it's a Tim Burton's movie that I liked. It was one of my favorite movies. It is called Big Fish. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> and although this character he doesn't go out uh, of his country, he doesn't travel the world. He does see um, and welcome differences as if they were not there, mm -hmm. as if um, there are. So he's so empathetic and he really could deal with um, such passion and love and make friends with such a variety of diverse friends. And to me, this is one of my favorite movies. And I think that it translates to me what really global citizenship means. Because as I mentioned, like, I don't think for that for you to become a real global citizen, you have to leave your country. Yeah, or learn another language, right? Yeah. You just have to be open um, to embrace the difference uh, and learn from this and you can find diversity right where you are every single person is different and I think this is a book uh, not a I don't I think it's based on a book but I didn't read it but it's a movie that really shows this and it's really beautiful and it's really like this fantastic uh, <laughs> world that is created it's, it's a circus right isn't it it's like in a traveling not circus? a circus it's not there is a, a section of the movie where he goes to a circus okay right? yeah that's my, my but there are there are like 
very different characters, mm -hmm. and they are all unique in their own way. Which do is... you have like a favorite character oh. or a scene that really stands out in your mind? Oh, I do, but it's like right in the end. <laughs> is it gonna spoil the movie for everyone? Um, not, um, kind of. So there is a way that so this is about this um, um, broken relationship between a dad and a son, actually, okay. because um, the dad tells these amazing stories of his youth, mm -hmm. and the son, when he was a kid, he really believed in it, believed in everything that he told, uh, he was told. But then when he was growing up, he he learned that most of the things that were in those stories were not possible. Mm -hmm. So he turned out to become like this skeptical adult. Yeah, very cynical. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we learned all of these stories throughout the movie. And his dad is um, um, very ill, but he's still telling these stories. Uh, and right in the end, there's a way that they find out to tie up all these stories. And all these characters, they really come to real life mm -hmm. uh, in um, a very tangible way in the story. So yeah. it's really cool. And um, to understand how they make those fantastic stories incredible and like surreal. They are all <laughs> surrealistic. Mm -hmm. um, very Tim Burton way of <laughs> portraying things. Um, but then the, he justifies every single impossible thing of the stories in a very very beautiful way so this is when for me it stands out like it's when um you learn to embrace the differences and understand what what's magical about that so right in the end like the way that they take they really um finish and conclude the the the, the surreal world meeting the real world so this is for me like the most powerful moment in the, in the movie I mean, and so much of that movie is told by storytelling, right? Yeah. That perspective, it just shows how powerful stories are, how mm -hmm. it's something so integral to us, how we process, um, you know, the world around us, how we process our identities. And, you know, just within this, this short, you know, podcast episode, our conversation, you know, you've shared a lot of your own stories. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can see how that's creating tidal waves for you know education moving forward whether that be you know you know you going to canada and um hopefully soon right that yeah. you can be there in person um but you know i think it just regardless of which country you find yourself in the idea is that you know you engage with the person in front of you you put you know your uh you know empathy skills into practice and um yeah i think there's also this sense of like this kind of um steadfast belief in the potential of each student to be be happy and you know mm -hmm. not to go down a path of you know bullying and dehumanizing others and kind of putting their anguish and suffering onto others as a way of alleviating some trauma that they've experienced but seeing through all of that with compassion as an educator just sounds really amazing and you know it's just been really a real joy to have you <laughs> here to have this conversation this is actually the first time we're in studio quote unquote yeah right yeah, it's, it's, it's a mobile studio actually yeah. it's just you know me in your apartment but <laughs> spoiler alert but yeah it's just been really great and um yeah I, I don't know if you have any final thoughts about google citizenship that you'd like to share or just comment about our conversation anything at all just to kind of wrap up our episode um no actually like just want to thank you for for inviting me to this um I think the way to practice global citizenship is this, this dialogue and 
learning and feeding from one another's experiences and perspectives. So I think this podcast podcast itself is like a practice of global citizenship. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. Yeah. It's a pleasure to have you. And, you know, let's have more conversations, definitely. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much, Victor. Thank you. So that wraps up our dialogue. It was really amazing to share the stories about our, our past students, about our own personal experiences. I always find that um, these, these kind of dialogues, um, we always learn something new about the other person. And also to really reaffirm just what it means to be a global citizen. I think, um, you know, knowing that we're not alone and also recognizing the power of education. There's, um, you know, so much that we can do to really influence, to positively influence the lives of those around us. And that we don't need to necessarily learn a new language or travel abroad to, to, to put into practice to actualize these ideals of global citizenship. So I hope you guys walked away from this conversation, this dialogue, with new insights from Victor. And um, I hope to plan, um, I hope to have more of these kind of, um, you know, conversations, dialogues in the future. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Take care. <laughs>